Well, as you've probably heard by now, the 2023 season has come to an end for the Cubs, and it was a rough end indeed. Jeremy, we take no pleasure in reporting this, but it is the sad, sad truth. It is the sad, sad truth. We were all excited. I mean, the last time, unfortunately, it's been a little while since we came on this podcast, and the last time we did come on this podcast, everything was exciting. We thought things were going good. Things were going great. Uh, Cubs are playing. They're going to play meaningful baseball, which was exciting, playing meaningful baseball in September. But, uh, hey, maybe it's our fault. Maybe us not getting around to getting those podcasts out couldn't just propel the team into the playoffs. So maybe it's on us, Randall. They, you know, they didn't have us to cheer for them in this recorded fashion that we do. I, of course, am Randall. He is Jeremy. Ronan will be along uh, at some point when we will do a, I think, a deep dive into what went wrong in this final month. But uh, again, as you've probably heard, the Cubs did not have the kind of September you would have liked them to have. They went 12 and 16. They choked away. Jeremy, can we say choke away? Are we are we in agreement with that? I, I with think that we verb? can say choke away. I, I'm, choke I'm, away. I'm, I'm usually not the most cynical guy, you know, but when you're at 92% on the fan graphs, uh, playoff odds after that game against San Francisco that I was at, the vibes were very good when you're sweeping the Giants and you don't make the playoffs, I think you could say choke away. Yes, indeed. So choke away, not one, but two postseason spots to none other than the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. If you could pick two teams not in the division that I would really prefer the Cubs not choke away postseason spots to, yeah, two teams right at the top of the list there, and the Cubs managed to do it. Uh, Jeremy, I know what series in September made me worry, oh, no, I know where this is going. What did it for you? Uh, honestly, I would say what really did it for me was that I would say probably that Pirates home Pirates series before, um, you know, they swept the Rockies, even though I felt good about sweeping the Rockies and I thought we had a chance there. I would say not winning that series. I was like, this is going to be tough. Like, cause I felt confident going, okay, we got Pirates, we got Rockies, we got Braves. I, I, I thought they probably would win at least one in Atlanta. I mean, they should have won. We know they probably should have won two in Atlanta. Um, I, so I felt still kind of confident, but not winning that pirate series like that really puts pressure on you to beat Atlanta, to beat Milwaukee. And, and I don't want to, you know, ride on Atlanta for, you know, playing all their starters, but I was pretty hopeful. Like, Hey, maybe they won't play their stars. They kind of got this thing locked up, but uh, I would say that pirate series, that was the one for me that it was like, okay, this is going to be tough. This is going to be very tough to make this, make this now. Yeah, you know, the 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 specter of a rough September, and you, you are a specter no matter what, but the specter of a rough September, I will say, crept in a little earlier for me when they t- were only able to take one out of four from the Diamondbacks at Wrigley. That That's that's where the, the darkness creeped in. I said, oh, no, I've seen this movie before many, many times. I hoped I was wrong. There were points in September where I thought I might have been wrong, but unfortunately and ultimately it did play out that way. And boy, getting swept. In Arizona, certainly did not help. It's like 2007 all over again, getting swept in Arizona late in the season, a little different. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just not a good month of September. I think we can identify a lot of causes, and I know in the future we will go very deep into what those causes are one at a time. We got a, we'll have a whole list. Our outline will be about two pages long in our, our Google Doc here. But Jeremy, if you could pick out one thing from September that the Cubs did do or did not do that ultimately led to their premature exit from the postseason hunt what's the one that stands out to you yeah it's tough it's 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 tough to focus on one thing um but for me and 
this might be a surprise for where I'm going to go with this, but I guess, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be, it would be something that's kind of something that wasn't really even necessarily in their control. Just the fact that all of their bullpen guys somehow ended up getting forearm strains. And maybe that has to do with, you know, riding them a little too hard or there's some things. And I, I have some criticism of the manager of how he used his bullpen a little too much in certain situations. Um, But I just, just not being able to have a reliable bullpen at the end of the season, going back to that Cincinnati series where you couldn't hold on to those two leads. And, you know, I was like, fine, you get, Lighter started losing it. He had to be shut down for a little period of time. Alzley has to go on the IL. Michael Fulmer was on the IL, came back for that one miraculous kind of save in Colorado where we yeah. were all living through it. Um, but just not getting it. And when you're having to throw seemingly Jose Quas every day, having to put Julian Merriweather, who I thought had a fantastic season for the most part, in these extremely high lever leverage situations like every single day, and just continuous uh, Daniel Palencia, who I, I like but I don't necessarily trust him a hundred percent just throwing them in these situations where they had to pitch seemingly, as I said, every day. Cause like every game was coming down to the end and we saw the Cubs just have like a historic month in terms of blowing leads at the end. It wasn't just, it's not even necessarily the fact that they choked away the, the it's like how they did it. They were choking away every game individually. So that, that to me, it's just that bullpen was such an, I, I see a lot of people saying like they have to go out and they have to spend on a bullpen. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the money has to be spent and players that, I mean, it makes a big impact, but we'll get you in the position. Cause I think they can build it, but it's just the fact that so many of these guys, lighter Elzali, uh, you know, Fulmer at time and all these guys got hurt and just at the, you just can't have your whole bullpen get hurt at the exact same time at the most critical junction of the season. This is what turns how it turns out. It's not a recipe for success. And that was a, a pillar of the success The success they enjoyed to get themselves back into the race and have a, a strong August is the back end of that bullpen, is being able to hand it to Merriweather, Lighter, and then Alzali to shut it down in the 7th, the 8th, and ninth. And like you said, all of them ended up injured or ineffective, mostly at the same time. And you know, again, it's, it's just not going to win you very many games when you suddenly have lost two legs of your triad there as far as effectiveness. You know, this... Apparently, it's a controversial opinion. Some people are in agreement. Some people really are not. I think it came down to David Ross for me. I think he did not pull a lot of the levers he should have. I think he pulled a lot of levers he shouldn't have. And it just felt like every game he was doing something to keep this team from, what's our phrase, winning on the margins. And it added up. It added up very poorly. And maybe it's unfair to put it all on him. You know, the players, we always say, have to produce. But it seemed like he did not put those players in the best position to succeed a lot of the time. And I think that cost them. You know, we could go back through September and pick out easily four or five games where it felt like he did not deploy somebody in the right situation. If the Cubs had won those four or five games. It would be a very different conversation we'd be having right now. I think we'd be having a slightly more jubilant podcast edition than we are having. So maybe that's unfair and it doesn't sound like a whole lot's going to change courtesy of uh, Tom Ricketts in the booth, but that that's my one thing that stands out. Yeah. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, personally, I, I don't. And I think, Probably a very good chunk of this, maybe probably even a majority of this family doesn't think it's unfair. You know, uh, way back a couple months ago, even uh, Ronan uh, brought it up on our podcast because I was sending text to the group message that 
I, I personally said David Ross ain't the guy. That was the phrase I used and wrote in. That's your phrase. Was that? And, I, and I said this probably in May, right? I, I, I'm going to assume that's when it was, that Ross ain't the guy. I, I just don't see him as the guy for this team making the next level. And we're going to go on a deep dive on this later uh, in a future podcast. So just talking about what happened with it. I, I agree with you, Randall. It seemed like every move he made just was the wrong level. Like somehow, and I know you're going to get mad at me, Randall, you look across at what they call Craig Timber across uh, the border. North Do they really us. call it that? They call that, it Craig Timber. Dude, think Jeremy, about the last that, five years of what the fucking, what the Brewers have done in the month of September. Jeremy, it's what the kids call cringe, calling it Craig Timber. Now that's but, perfect for that fan base. So I believe you completely. They, hey, I'll, I'll get, I'll get you on this one. You'll, you'll agree with me on this. They don't call it Craig Tober. And they call it Craig Tember, and I'd rather be Craig Tober than Craig Tember if I was had to choose. Um, but it seemed like that guy, every movie makes somehow works out in the month of September, and Ross, every movie made, just didn't work out at all. And he made a lot of questionable moves, a lot of head scratching moves. Uh, and you know, there's that that game obviously that the Cubs kind of blew in Atlanta, where I I I, I don't even think we got an answer for it. Like, why did he pull Talkman in the fourth, and then pull for PCA, and then put take PCA out, who knows? They sat butt in that game three times. And I looked it up because I was like, well, what Atlanta's the best offense in the league, right? And they're a historically good offense. So you're obviously not going to really – it's hard to compare to Atlanta. I believe up until that point, Atlanta had sat butt two times all year. And they three, sat butt three times in that game. And so and then you have Jed Hoyer coming out on 670 being asked, like – I'm not what do you think of sec- I'm not like he's saying it on the on air like he basically said he's not going to call out his manager right but he's telling his manager like don't do this anymore and I don't know if we sack button again after that to be honest um it just I I just I have a lot of issues with David Ross in terms of how he managed the game hey look you want to say David Ross is a great clubhouse guy you want to say the guys played hard for him that they kept it all together I will support that and that is very important and I agree. It might even be more important, possibly, than tactically managing a team. But there, to me, I feel like there's got to be guys that can do both, and they and to give them a chance. And part of the reason I really did want to see David Ross in the playoffs, besides the fact that I'm a Cubs fan, and I would, is I had a feeling David Ross was about to get blown up all across National Baseball like media sphere because of some odd moves he was making. And I was going to be like, everybody see this, right? This is not just you know pissed off Cubs fans. Um, but yeah, you know, Tom said he's going to be back. Obviously it's not up to Tom necessarily, but if Tom is the guy saying it, I don't think Jed's going to do something different. Um, but you know, even Tom says Jed's call, but like your, your boss is like, we're probably gonna bring this guy back. I'm assuming they've talked about it at least before that. So, Hey, my opinion, go out make the lineup, make the bullpen, make the roster manager proof this offseason that's what you got yeah the, you really you really do you have to manager proof this roster you have to scotch guard the couch you have to put gates between the kitchen and the living room you really do have to manager proof this roster now of course we've already had two managerial firings or parting ways uh the mets have parted ways with buck showalter poor buck showalter i always liked uh, three. him three we've like, had three firings three firings we've had the angels we've had the mets and who am i forgetting uh san francisco uh, of course san francisco did let go Plus of terry Gabe francona Kaplan. retiring Right, Terry Francona retiring. That's you know, no, you got four go. openings. That's, you got, but well, you got four yeah, openings. I'm saying, That's what I'm four saying. openings. Yeah, you know, four Tito, openings. Tito, I think is ready to go f- focus on his health and focus on eating his fruit bars. And I salute him wholeheartedly. Love Tito, uh, but yeah, you've had three managerial firings already. The Mets broke poor Buck Showalter. I've always liked him. I've always thought he was a very thoughtful individual, which mm-hmm. is a good quality in a manager. The Angels have parted ways with Phil Nevin, who 
went to all the trouble of basically morphing into Mike Sosha physically. And now he doesn't have to look like that anymore. Uh, and then, of course, the Giants let go of Gabe Kapler with a, a day left in the season. Yeah. So, and like you said, Terry Francona, Tito to his friends and his fans retiring in Cleveland. So we already have four managerial openings. This is usually, you know, it's not quite like Black Monday in the NFL where you yeah, get it, half the league fired. Um, sometimes they do trickle out a little bit more after exit interviews, after talking to the players. But, you know, Ross survives this kind of initial round of managerial right. lettings go of. So, again, we will do uh, a deep and solemn postmortem on the 2023 season. September did see a trio of Cub prospects come up and make their debut, even in limited playing time. We got to see Alexander Canario come up we got to see luke little come up and of course we got to see the crown jewel of the farm system pete crow armstrong pca to the fans come up all of them saw very limited playing time jeremy especially alexander canario who sat for what was it a week half a week after being rostered on september 1st even as the team was struggling to score runs pretty badly little was not used a whole lot. I believe he only pitched six and two-thirds innings in all of September. And Pete Crow Armstrong got uh, two starts, three starts, and was otherwise used as a defensive replacement and pinch runner. So none of the three really saw significant time in September. Right. And I, I that Giants game I was talking about um, earlier where we swept that, that was the first game for both Canario and Little. So I got to see their uh, Major League debuts. But I agree with you, Randall. Like, I talked about them coming up when we talked about them coming up, how – I didn't necessarily see kind of a super role for PCA to be playing, but I still thought they would contribute a little bit more than what they did, especially Canario. Cause I, I know that necessarily David Ross is really into playing the guys that got us here, but I thought there yeah. were situations where like Canario being a right-handed bat coming off the bench, kind of how he used wisdom who, Hey, I actually think wisdom he probably kind of used, uh, you know, in certain situations, that was a lever you kind of pulled. Okay. Cause wisdom had a pretty good, if you look at wisdom's numbers, they're actually pretty solid uh, in the second half of the season. And it's mostly the matchups he phrased, but I thought like, you know, wisdom can't play the outfield wisdom can't not really defensive. So I thought Canario would have been kind of that perfect guy. Like we all know Ian Hap struggles batting right-handed. Maybe you want to get Canario in a situation against a lefty and he can go out and play the outfield or like the other day, just the other day when we were talking about it, he had wisdom pinch hit for Master Boney after Horner was uh, hurt. He could have had wisdom. He could have had Canario or wisdom pinch hit for uh, Talkman, and then Canario could have played, you know, center field, and wisdom didn't have to play second base, pinch hitting for Master Boney without Horner. It's just like weird decisions like that to me. Um, little, I thought that guy looked nasty. Why not give him a chance at, in some of these high lever situations? When you're, you're pitching Jose Quas every day, and personally, I never, it's not like he was a reliable guy. He's a guy we acquired from Kansas City. We had, we saw some things we liked, but he's never been a guy who's even done this before. Uh, a high leverage reliever in, in a competitive race. It's not like that's the guy. Like he's a converted infielder who's pitching. Um, so I, I just thought, you know, Luke Little deserves a shot at some point in a higher level situation. So to me, there's a little disappointment there. Like PCA, yeah. Uh, Unfortunately for Pete Crow Armstrong, like I think he kind of the moment was maybe at times a little too big for him. Uh, he had some issues in the center field. He had some issues on the base path. Didn't quite show it. But we also saw the great things. We saw the amazing catches in Colorado. And it just I don't know. I I would have liked to seen them get a little bit more time just for the sake of I was looking the other day at our lineup. Guys like Dansby Swanson, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger, Ian Happ. 
Nico Horner until the end. These guys were playing at least 60 days in a row. Like I looked at back, I just looked back to that August. I wasn't even going farther than that. Say Suzuki, he had that little stretch where he got benched, right? And then once he got back in New York, I think that was like August 7th, he played every day. And you know, I get it. It's a pen race. You want to play your top guys. I criticize Joe Mann a little bit sometimes for uh having too many kind of lineups, right? A little bit at times. But at some point, you got to give days guys a day off. And I thought maybe there's a situation where Alex Canario might face a guy and it might be okay to give him like one start in a situation where he could be successful. And I thought that was something that David Ross could have done a better job of because I feel like a lot of these guys at the end of the game, they were playing out fumes. I think you, we saw some of that with like Nico and Dansby, like maybe not playing the defense as crisp as we saw at the end. I, I think they were just having a tough go of it towards the end. Yeah, you know, I think two two things that will stick in my mind forever is one, David Ross's quote, the guys who got us here are going to play. I think that's going to maybe go down in infamy as a Cubs managerial quote that just ages incredibly poorly, like milk left out in the September golden sun. And the other thing is he, you know, he made public that Dansby went into his office one day and said, hey, no off days until we clinch. And it turns out they did not clinch. And I think Dansby having no off days until that point played a role in it. Like you said, I think he just did not quite pull the right levers down the stretch. And I think ultimately ended up costing them. You mentioned Luke Little, the rest of your high leverage guys are either ineffective or on the IL. What do you have to lose? So again, I think that the guys who got us here are going to play is just going to go down as an all-time poorly aged quote, uh, but good for Canario for not only getting back on the field, but making his way to the major leagues, he got all his first out of the way. He got, you know, first hit, first home run, first RBI, first start in the outfield. First, first grand first slam. Step, first grand slam. He got it all out of the way. And good for him that he's still feeling well enough to keep playing. He was originally slated to play in the AFL. And now it turns out that the Cubs have given him permission. And he has accepted that spot to go play winter ball in the Dominican. So good for him. Uh, just be careful out there, Alexander. We would prefer not to have to go through what we did uh, last fall in watching you hurt not just your ankle but your shoulder as well and and he played well for the times he got played like you look at his numbers he, i don't know if he took a walk but he, he did not I, he had a huge he had the huge game the second to last game of the season when he finally got a start kind of he had he hit like he got that one start he hit the grand slam he had a double he played well and uh yeah i'm excited for him and for, in regards to luke little just i i just it just doesn't i just don't get it like your bullpen he seemed like the guy that would had the easiest way to get him involved. Like your bullpen was just, just totally down. You got to find a way to get Luke little in the games. I know you don't trust him, but who out there do you trust? It's, it's hard to find somebody in the bullpen. In that moment, you could trust like Mark Leiter was losing it. Unfortunately, you couldn't throw any of these guys. They didn't have a lefty. So you got a guy like Luke little coming from the left side. Just give him an opportunity. That, that was disappointing to me. And, and, and Dan, I, we love the fire in Dansby, right? Like that's part of the reason we love him because he's competitive. He wants to win. That's his whole point. He's not going to, he's not going to give up. You know, Jed said he had to like get rid of Dansby because at, when Dansby was hurt uh, after the, you know, all our star, star, all star week uh, at weekend, Dansby was like in his ear every single day, like having him trying to have lunch with him or whatever. Like we're not selling. Like you have to buy. I'm just like, all right, calm down. Like get out of here. Like he was just like every day he was like annoying me with this, and we love that. But at some point, you know, you're the manager, you're the GM, right? You tell this guy is your employee. You have to tell him like, hey, I love your fire. I love your passion. I want you to play as much as possible. But in a certain situation, it may not be the best for you to play right now. 
because you might need a day off, right? I can see it. So, like, that's just something. You can't let the those guys run you, in my opinion. And we love the fire. It's not It's not a bad thing Dansby's doing. I'm not criticizing Dansby. I'm just saying, like, you, you got to show the authority, though, because you're in charge. And so I, I just think that was something that, like, we could have gotten these guys. They could have seen more action. And I think would have benefited not just them, not just the team, but, all, but, like, the other guys. They would have gotten some rest. And I think that would have been nice. It would have been nice. And again, we will go into we will go in depth in all of this in a future episode. I know we all have a lot to say, both us and Ronan uh, all have plenty of thoughts on how this season ended up playing out. Well, against my uh, advice, they did not cancel the postseason, despite the Cubs not making it. And so we do have a quartet of wildcard matchups coming up in the week ahead. If you did lose track of things at the end of the season, I don't blame you. It was kind of hard to focus on other races, but your division winners in the American League, Baltimore took the East. Houston, unfortunately, took the American League West. Minnesota took the American League Central. Not a great division, but they did do it. And then your wild cards in order, of course, are Tampa Bay, Texas, and Toronto. And in the National League, where the Chicago Cubs reside and will not be participating, Atlanta ended up the number one seed over the number two seed Dodgers. Milwaukee rounds out the division winners, the worst of the division winners, and I do not disagree with that at all. And then, of course, your wild cards, again, in order, are Philadelphia, Miami, and Arizona. Pains me to admit it. Uh, unfortunately, I can't deny it at this point. So, Jeremy, our four wild, cut ma- wild card matchups starting this week. We have the Twins, who will be hosting the Blue Jays. We have the Rays, who will be hosting the Rangers. We have the Brewers, who will be hosting the D-backs up at the uh, airplane hangar up there with the leaky roof. And then we have the Phillies, who will be hosting their division opponent Marlins. Let's start in the American League, that Toronto and Twins matchup. Who do you see coming out of that particular matchup? I think I'm going to go with the well, what would be the seed wise, the upset here. I think I'm going to go with Toronto uh, on the road. Uh, I, I've liked this Toronto team. I, I like this, you know, Minnesota team, to be honest. But uh, I just think that this Toronto team kind of, I think they've gone through it in the AL East, I think, a little bit. The Twins haven't really necessarily had to do that in the uh, AL Central, although they did turn on at the end. Um, so I'm going to go with Toronto. I just think they have a little more talent here. Uh, I think. You know, Carlos Correa hasn't necessarily been the guy that everybody want, expect him to be when he, he was signing with three separate teams during the offseason. Uh, so I, I just I see Toronto as being the better team here. So I think Toronto, I'm going to go with them and the Minnesota Twins playoff woes continue for another year. Yeah, you know, that's a tough matchup to call. The Blue Jays actually have the slightly better record. They actually won two more games, of course, playing in a slightly tougher division. Uh, But the Twins do have uh, a far better run differential. They did score more runs and they did allow fewer runs. I think this is going to be as hard fought of a best of three series as can be. But I think the Twins take it in three. I I definitely think they lose a game in there because, as you said, that Jays roster is a great positional roster. So I do think it's going to be a very hard fought one. I could see game three for all for some of the marbles, not really all the marbles in the wild card round, but game three for some of the marbles definitely coming down to the late innings and one run, maybe making the difference, but I am going to take the twins in three games in that matchup. Yeah. It's going to be a tough, hard fought matchup. I, I, you know, it, there are two teams that kind of, I, I expected a little more out of, to be honest, this season. Like I thought Toronto was going to kind of come in and be like this really good AL East team. Yeah. The AL East is tough, but I thought they'd make the playoffs, not just kind of sneak in, uh, towards the end, although that was a tough fight at the end to get in. Um, and then Minnesota, I thought they were the best team in the AL Central, but they scuffled for 
at least half the season. It really wasn't until the second half where they really kind of turned it on in a division that is not that good as we saw all year. And so it's just, I, I don't see either of these two teams and we'll talk about later, but beating Houston, but no. I, I just, I I'm going to go, I'm going to go against you, Randall. I'm going to go with Toronto. I'm going to go with the blue Jays. Right. I want to see those powder blue jerseys moving on to the next round. So I'm going to go with the blue Jays here. Yeah, to be clear, I'm not against that. I do like the Blue Jays. No, a lot of players on that roster I like. Um, so yeah, no, it's no fun if we it's no fun if we agree wholeheartedly. Uh, but I think we do agree that the both teams are kind of playing for the right to go out there and take on, unfortunately, another very tough Houston team that snuck in as the division winner on the last day. So we go elsewhere in the American League. It will be the Texas Rangers uh being hosted for a three-game series by or a best of three series, rather, by the Tampa Bay Rays, who apparently have finally at least made progress on building a new stadium. The renderings aren't all that impressive, but I think that's one of the big linchpins to MLB probably expanding or doing bigger things down the line. So if the athletics unfortunately get their situation sorted out by moving and the Rays build a new stadium. I think that unlocks a lot, but that's neither here nor there. So we have the Rays hosting the Rangers in the best of three wildcard round. Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to take, I think the Texas Rangers are going to pull the seed wise upset here. I think they are going to pull one out this series. Yeah, man, this is a weird matchup for what you think about. Think about the all-star break. Like you would think Texas and Tampa in the wildcard round. That's crazy. I mean, Tampa got off to that historic start, like such a great start. And obviously a lot of things did not go their way in the second half, uh, whether it be injuries, whether it not be injuries with the whole Wander Franco situation. Uh, you know, they've really been kind of, it feels like a lot of Tampa's pitching has just gone down kind of similar to how with them with the Cubs, but um, it just, it's just tough for them. And then Texas, right. They were cruising. They were like best team in the league at, at one point along with, I mean, out after Tampa, and it just all kind of fell apart. And unfortunately for me as a Cubs fan, besides the fact that the Cubs did not get into the playoffs, it's the fact that the Cubs were fighting for their lives and kind of losing all the time, kind of put a damper on my baseball kind of feelings in the moment. I didn't really get to enjoy this crazy AL West yep. wildcard situation because I was so caught up in the Cubs that I would have liked to have joined and see how this all really necessarily played out, you know, on the MLB.tv and everything. I didn't quite get the that that feeling that I would have could have had just enjoying all of that. But I'm going to go. I, I think I'm going to agree with you here, Randall. I'm going to go with the seed wise upset. I'm going to go with the Texas Rangers. I feel like they had they scuffled for a while, kind of in early September and, and August. But I think they were kind of turning it on again towards the end of the season. And I think I just they got the better pitching. Uh, I think they're I feel like they're healthier. I'm going to go with Texas to upset the, this Tampa team that in early may you're like can anybody beat these guys and they're now they're the four seed in the playoffs yeah you know like you said we didn't really get a chance to focus on that american league west american league wildcard race because there was something a little closer to home that was taking up uh all of our bandwidth but seattle houston and texas all fighting for playoff spots down to the final weekend of the season seattle Unfortunately, on the outside looking in, which is a shame because Seattle is a franchise that I'm at least not offended by. I much rather would have had them in over Houston, but that was very much not meant to be. Um, so, yeah, so that concludes the American League. And again, I think that's another series where both teams are kind of fighting for the opportunity. I do think the 
ALDS matchup involving the Orioles. And that, of course, will be the Orioles as the home team and either Texas or Tampa as the visiting team series-wise. I do think that will be a little more evenly matched of a series than Houston playing whoever comes out of that Toronto Twins matchup. We shift over to the American League and in the upper right of uh, MLB.com's bracket, even though I would put it far lower than that, we do have the Milwaukee Brewers hosting the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Brewers, of course, the worst division winner, the worst a lot of things, but the worst division winner, they are hosting the third wildcard team in the National League, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Jeremy, I will let you go first on this one because I have a lot of thoughts and they're not all logical or rational. So I'll, I'll give you the lead off on this one. Well, this this is the Go Meteor series, right, Randall, for you? Correct. Uh, that is correct. How about those Arizona Diamondbacks? being the sixth seed. So like we were also worried about the Marlins and the Marlins even passed Arizona and, and uh, you know, Cubs, man, you know, you flip a game there in Arizona or two games and you're in this playoff situation. So uh, just frustrating. I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks here. Uh, you know, as I said, it's not correct. Tober, it's correct. Timber. Uh, we're uh, Milwaukee just, you know, they got the bad news with Brandon Woodruff. I just don't see them having like, I don't think the Diamondbacks are that great of a team either. I mean, they're, they're a not. Run they are definitely not. Negative run differential, but I, it's just so hard for me to look at Milwaukee's roster and think like, why is this team winning? I, I, I just don't get it. I know Carlos Santana and Mark Cannon; these acquisitions are coming. Of course, they hit uh, Josh Donaldson, an acquisition I did like when the Milwaukee Brewers made it, just because I thought like, hey, I honestly I thought the Cubs should have uh, fed into him and. With what happened to Jamer, maybe he, that could have been something we're looking back at. But uh, I'm just going to go with Arizona. I'd, I'd rather see Milwaukee lose I, I than see Arizona. I, As much as it pains me for Arizona to be in the playoffs and the Cubs out of it and 2007, uh, I, I I hate the Brewers more. And this is almost a field pick. This is a Randall emotional yeah. pick for me. So I'm going to go with Arizona here. I get Corbin Carroll deeper into the playoffs. Uh, you know, just do it. Go Arizona. Go up there to the AmFam Field and just take it. Take two out of three. Actually, make it as as demoralizing as possible. Like you know what happened with the Phillies and Cardinals last year, where the Phillies just came back with six runs in that game in the ninth inning. It just demoralized the Cardinals. And then of course, uh, Milwaukee had that issue in the wild card game a few years ago, where they they won in, uh, with the Nationals. Uh, excuse me, the Nationals beat Milwaukee in a demoralizing fashion. So let's just keep those kind of wild card situations where the other team wins demoralizingly against a division rival. So we'll do yes, that. Yes, and we, we do want to put the disclaimer on this. Uh, predictions do not equal approval. Um, just because we are predicting a team to win, of course, does not mean we approve of them, uh, just in case anybody was at all curious. Jeremy, I'm going to go the opposite here. As much as I would love to see a ballpark full of the mooing livestock that the Brewers consider to be fans uh, go home dejected, um, the Brewers have been very difficult to beat up at their their leaky airplane hangar up there, 49 and 32 at home this season. And teams have done nothing but roll over for them and lay down. And I just have a lot of difficulty thinking that the snakes are not going to do that. So unfortunately, I am going to predict that the Brewers do take that series. Um, I hope you're right, because again, the notion of sad Milwaukee fans does appeal to me. That's just kind of where I see that series going, even with the Brewers not having a great roster, D-backs having an equally not great roster. The Brewers are a little pitching depleted, like you said, getting news of Brandon Woodruff's injury. He will be unavailable for the wildcard round, and according to 
uh, Craig Council, his availability beyond that, should they advance beyond that, is also in question. So I am taking the Brewers over the Diamondbacks. Again, say it's a hard-fought series, but unfortunately, I do think the Brewers will prevail. And of course, those two teams are fighting for the right to play a series in which the Dodgers are the home team. So that probably is another opportunity where two teams are fighting amongst themselves to go get steamrolled by a much better team. And so that brings us to the fourth and final wildcard matchup to commence this week. We have the number five seed Marlins, who somehow managed to end up as wildcard two, despite their negative run differential of negative 56. They allowed 56 more runs than they scored. And they still ended up as wildcard two with one more win and two fewer losses in the Cubs. How utterly infuriating to accept. I don't like it. I don't accept it. I, I'm going to try to put it out of my mind, but unfortunately, we're talking about it right now. And so they will be hosted by the Philadelphia Phillies, who are the wild card one, the number four seed for a best of three series. And Jeremy, I'm taking the Phillies in this one. No couching it. No. Here's what I think is going to happen because this, this and that the Phillies, I think, are going to take this series pretty easily. Yeah, I'm also taking the Phillies here, Randall. Uh, and to be honest, I, I wish it didn't play out this way because I feel like this Marlins team could have been a fun team to enjoy and root for. But uh, I don't feel that at all right now, the, the way the season ended. I, so I'm going to go with the Phillies. I think they're obviously the better team. I think they have uh, a lot more talent. I, you know, uh, I, I definitely, I, I, the Marlins, you know, the horseshoed their way in as much as I think they could be a fun team. It's like, hey, I, they're not, that's not it. But how about this? How about this little right, lower right, as on you said, the bracket you're looking at, all three uh, NL East teams. So you got a Phillies Marlins matchup, and then the, for the right to play the brave. So a lot of teams that are very familiar with each other know each other. And so it's, I think they're going to be hard. It's going to be a hard matchup. I mean, the Marlins have only ever lost one playoff series in their history. So how about that? Uh, And so, yeah, uh, but uh, I think the Phillies take it. I just think I don't see the Marlins with their hurt, hurt pitching, a lot of injured pitching on a lot of these teams going into this uh, playoffs, but they're injured pitching. I, I think the Phillies, you know, talent wise, you know, they obviously have the offensive studs. They have guys that like, you know, even if they can't play the field, like Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos can still hit. So I think the Phillies are going to be the ones to, to take it on. And Trey Turner, him, he's been great since that ovation. So uh, definitely going with the Phillies here. Yeah, I think Phillies are the easy pick talent-wise. Uh, and like you said, three NL East teams, the the and the, the Mets and the Nationals probably were sitting there going, damn, we couldn't, we couldn't get in on that. Three teams from this division, we end up getting left out. But yeah, it's not a... Uh, it's not a particularly aesthetically appealing uh, NL side of the bracket, but they are going to play the games despite my objections. And so play the games they shall. So those series commence this week. Again, those are best of three series played entirely in the park of the higher seed. So there's no travel uh, involved and it's a best of three series. So we are looking forward to seeing how those play out. And, uh, you know, Jeremy, as the great sage Worf said, death to the opposition. Death to the opposition. Definitely. You, you, you want death to both opposition uh, in that Milwaukee Arizona Correct. team. You just have Correct. the Klingons invade that field. Right. Uh, I know that was on a uh, DS nine when they were playing the Vulcans, but uh, uh, yeah, that that's one where I'm going to mix my metaphors here, Randall, but that's one where the, I guess not mix metaphors, mix my references. Uh, that's one where the uh, death star Ray can, uh, you know, find its way up there in Milwaukee. <laughs> 
That's correct. Just just get the Death Star to, to vaporize the entire ballpark. Clear all the people out, of course, because we're not monsters here. Right. Yeah, just so they can't play, right? You just know. so they can't play. Exactly. So, yeah, no way for both teams to lose, unfortunately. But I will be rooting for the Meteor. And, uh, hey, if you keep the, the roof open up there in Milwaukee, the Meteor can get in there all that much more easily. So that is the wild card round. Those commence in the week ahead as we record this on the evening of Monday, October 2nd. Uh, like we said, we will do a deeper dive on everything that went wrong for the Cubs. And you know what? A little bit of time is not the worst thing in the world because I think that lets us step back a little bit. There was a lot of good this season. It's difficult yeah, oh yeah. for me to admit. Uh, there were a lot of good moments. There are a lot of things to like about this season. And you just hope it leads to bigger and better things in 2024 and beyond. Don't let this be a blip. Don't let this be 2004 where it led to uh, just what for yeah another four three four seasons of nothing to root for don't let this be a blip let it be a, a stepping stone let it be a building block um so yeah i think some time will do us good let us consider everything that was good about this season because there was a lot of good yeah i agree i, I agree there I, I still think despite the disappointing finish with what happened here and you know the questions that we all have with this team i still feel like it was overall on a macro sense a, a successful season obviously we don't want to play for 83 wins but going into this year a lot of people didn't think this team was gonna good enough to have 83 wins and we saw some guys that we know are going to be cornerstones for this team for the next couple of years we saw the farm system grow in a good very positive way there's a lot of talent there they're going to have a lot of resources to make moves in the offseason whether it be you know fiscally monetarily or just using players as assets like minor league players that they probably might not have room for on their major league roster so I, I still think this was a successful year. I think we move forward. We move use as a building block, as Randall said, not that 2004 where you got 05, 06, just being trash. Uh, I, I look at this positively. I think the future is bright. Honestly, there are not many teams, in my opinion, in this major league, league uh, in this major league that I would trade the Cubs position for right now. I think the Cubs are in a very good uh, spot resource wise, talent wise, competitive window wise. And, you know, looking at these playoff teams, there's a few teams like I, I would rather be the Cubs. I mean, I'd rather be in the playoffs, but for talking about the future outlook, I would rather be the Cubs than a few of these playoff teams. So, yeah, uh, I think it was a successful season. So I, I will give them that. And I'm sure when we do a deep dive in the future, there will be a lot of disagreement and a lot of hot heated talk on a lot of things that occurred at this this past season. So look forward to that. Yeah, there might be some things thrown. You never know. It could get yeah. very, very heated. So for Jeremy, I am Randall. Uh, again, the Cubs season did not end as we would have liked, and that's a bitter pill to swallow. Um, but we remain with you to help break things down. We appreciate you following along with us all season long through the highs and the lows. Uh, it feels like we caused a lot of those lows, Jeremy, praising the Cubs. Oh, yeah. And then uh, a week later, we come back and everything is on fire. But as always, we appreciate all of our loyal listeners. We will be with you all through the playoffs and all offseason, uh, talking about the postseason results, talking about, again, a deep dive on the Cubs, what went wrong, what you can improve on, what uh, what went right, and hopefully to another exciting offseason ahead. So thank you all for listening. We will continue to be with you uh, here on Behind the Yellow Line. Follow us on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. Thanks for listening.